And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KSC. And I got to tell you, friends, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Gusto. If you are a startup, this is for you. I want to tell you a little bit about Gusto. They have built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 300,000 businesses take the pain out of tasks like automated payroll tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance administration, 401k, onboarding tools, you name it, Gusto makes it easy. And they really care about the small business owners they work with. Try a three-month free subscription now. Just sign up at gusto.com backslash startup hustle to get started. Again, that is gusto.com backslash startup hustle or check the show notes for the link to get started. Now, Today, we have with us a guest that I have been waiting to have on this dang show for quite some time. Uh, I, I would consider him a good friend of mine, but more importantly, I would consider him just this really phenomenal voice within the entrepreneurship, small business community here in Kansas City and even beyond. And he's come up with a pretty innovative way to, to uh, tackle some pretty disturbing trends and pretty disturbing things happening in our world. And I'm, I'm just so thrilled to invite Brandon Calloway, CEO of Generating Income for Tomorrow, to the Startup Hustle podcast. Brandon, hi. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I'm so, so psyched, man. We've been trying to get this on the books for quite some time, have we not? <laughs> yes. Yes, we really yeah. have. I'm, I, am, I am very happy and excited that we were finally able to make this happen. I know, right? Well, you're a you're a busy, busy guy, and you got a lot going on, and I want to hear more about it. But first things first, let's start with the the softball question. Tell us about your journey, my friend. Yes, my journey. Uh, so I'm a Kansas City native. Uh, I was actually born on born in KCK, and then moved over to KCMO like when I was seven. So I get I I, I claim both. <laughs> experience both sides of the state line. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And then and, and so when it's beneficial for me, I claim, you know, uh, KCK and why not. Uh and then when it's not, I I, I just don't. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, so, just, just so you know, for our listeners uh who might be, you know, not necessarily in the Kansas City area. So Kansas City, we have two sides of Kansas City and it's very confusing for people outside. There are two Kansas Cities. There's Kansas City, Kansas, and there's Kansas City, Missouri. There's a little bit of a turf war between the two. I think that we've kind we we sometimes work together, but we are all Kansas City. Yeah. We just are on different sides of the state line. And so Brandon, as you're talking about this, I'm laughing and I'm just, I want to make sure that our listeners understand that like, this makes total sense to any Kansas Cityan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. <laughs> yeah, so my my journey, um, you know, I, I grew up on the east side of Kansas City and uh, grew up in a you know, less than ideal uh, 
overall environment, economic environment, and um, it, it really informs and kind of what motivates the work that I do to today. Um, you know, Kansas City is a city that where the east side is poor and black and the west side is wealthy and white. And I got to experience that uh, from both sides, right? So my my schooling and education, I, I ended up being a personal trainer and I got a fitness degree. And uh, you know, I while I grew up on the east side, my career kind of took me all through all the other sub- suburbs of Kansas City um, and really got to experience the the designed or just just got to see exactly how much the economic desert of East Kansas City uh, was was designed. And so, you know, I've, I've tried to use my entire career, even through fitness, to have some type of positive impact on the community that made me who, who, who I am. Um, and uh, eventually that led me to nonprofit, which eventually led me to the the founding of gift and the work that we do uh here so i've had a, a very very long journey i could take a, an hour just to uh, yeah, explain I mean, that. It sounds uh, like you've got all kinds of like exposure to to all kinds of people and backgrounds and, and all yeah, of that i, I, I was really in the army for a little bit i've, I've just I've been <laughs> i didn't actually know all of this about like you and i've known each other for a while and i didn't know that about you uh, but at any rate, you know, one of the things that I, I feel as though you and I are aligned because we both both work to provide opportunity to people who have been marginalized, right? And so I've always felt like a deep affinity for you. And like, even though we don't do the same work, I feel like there's kind of a, this basis of understanding, like it's yeah. hard work and we kind of, we get each other, but I really want to dive down deep into specifically what gift does. And, and when I said innovative in your intro, I really, really meant it. You're, you're kind of, you're driving change <laughs> and you're doing so effectively. And there are many organizations out there that try to affect the kind of change that you're affecting and they don't do it so meaningfully. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard work to do. That's not a knock on them. But I just I want to talk to you about generating income for tomorrow gift, um, as we we all call it. Talk to us about gift. You know what you, you talked about a little bit about your heart for it, why <laughs> you wanted to start it. But what sparked the idea? Like, the, this is something that I really have to do. Like, what was the, was there a crystallizing moment? Or was yes. it like a slow burn? <laughs> Uh, so the story goes, <laughs> um, overall there was, there's really just this, this moment, uh, but there are a few things that kind of went into the moment without, without realizing. So one, uh, there are three of us co-founders and we, we were not, you know, having regular meetings and sitting on this thing called gift that we wanted to do for years and months and, and all of that, 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 that wasn't, that wasn't a thing. Um, but we, you know, it was May of 2020, um, and one of my co-founders, he's a guy named Chris Stewart. Uh, and so Chris lives in Houston, but he is from Kansas city and he made a Facebook post talking about how, uh, so in the, in the BOB KC, so black owned businesses, Kansas city, uh, in that Facebook group. 
And, and that's, was, that's Marsha Willis, who um, is like they have like thirty thousand members. It like I, it blows my mind every day. But they they do a lot of really cool work to promote black owned business in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. And so we we were we were all in. So me and my co founders were in that Facebook group. Um, you know, and Chris made the post. Uh, he's very frustrated. He was frustrated in not seeing black businesses and black communities. You know, uh, when he came back to to visit Kansas City, and what he said was that you know there's fifteen thousand people right here in can in this Facebook group. If we all put in ten dollars a month, we can take that money and grow black businesses ourselves. Uh, we don't have to wait on anybody. And so, you know, this is early pandemic. We're shut down. Everybody's at home. So I'm at home. You know, I, I was working at the United Way at the time, and I was at home doing doing nothing because you know all I was I was volunteer manager and uh, there were no volunteers to be managed. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing nothing. Um, and so I, I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see this Facebook post and I didn't, you know, Chris and I were not friends. I didn't know him at the time. And so uh, I saw it and I, a couple of things hit, hit me. Uh, so one, I had, again, I'm, I'm at, I was at United Way. And so that model of uh, you ask everybody for a little bit of money is the United Way model. It is the the model that I have been learning in in nonprofit, and so um, I had I have been thinking that you know I've been telling myself we need a we actually need a Black United Way, right? The mm-hmm. we we need something that uses this collective impact, but focuses the money in a targeted area on a, in a, on a targeted thing. And so uh, not to say that the work of United Way is not necessary. It's big, it's broad. It is trying to tackle a, a, a bunch of different things. Uh, and the more things you try to tackle, the 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 harder it is to go deep in any any one thing. Right. Um, and so so that that had been that had been a thought of mine. Uh, I had just read uh Ta-Nehisi Coates book of uh what was it called? We were eight years in power. And in his book, he actually referenced Michelle Obama's book, where she talks about um facing a dilemma of uh it, she grew up and it was time to decide does she want to stay on the the south side of Chicago where everybody looks like her and she's comfortable in her own skin and she can just be herself and be, be who she is? Or does she want to be successful in life? Which meant entering into a world that would never let her forget that she was a Black woman. Um, and, and so that was my, like, my biggest takeaway from his book was that quote from, from her or that excerpt from her book. Yeah. Uh, because that's, that's Kansas City. It's just the east side. It's not. It's not the the south side. It's just the east side, yeah. uh, and and so I have been, I have been resonate. I have recently read it, and I have been resonating on on that, um, and and so uh, when I saw the Facebook post, you know, I, all all of these things that I've been thinking of were were kind of right there in that Facebook post, and. Um, we were we're talking about a nonprofit that intersects business. It's the intersection of business and nonprofit. Um, mm-hmm. Again, my career was fitness, 
but I actually ended up running gyms. Uh, and so I got good at sales. I was a good salesperson. Um, and, and I ended up going into the business part of fitness and, and ended up running gyms. Um, and, and now I have been developing this nonprofit experience. And so, um, and then, I mean, going back to fitness, my one of the first jobs I had as a trainer was training. I was a strength and conditioning coach for Northeast High School. And my goal being to help these kids get college scholarships so that they can have access to higher education. So I, yeah. I can use my skill, my, my, my skill in strength and conditioning to actually have an impact on the community that, uh, that I came from. And, I was, and so this was, you know, 10, you know, 10 years before we started gift. Uh, and so here I am with like this, seeing this Facebook post, thinking about these things. Uh, and I sat there actually, and I thought of all of the ways like, well, you know, it won't work because, uh, you, you got to have an entity to hold the money and it won't work because of this and because of that and because of this and because of that. And I came up with a solution for every last one of those ways. Uh, and at the end of it, you know, I was back to the core of like, I, my goal, my goal had always been helping the, using my skills to help people on the East side. Uh, and so I sat there uh, at the end of this hour with no more reasons that it wouldn't work. And I felt like if I sat there and didn't do anything, if, if I didn't reach out to Chris, if I didn't say, hey, you know, I think that this is a thing. Uh, if you have a solution and you know the solution can can likely fix the community or help the community or better the community, uh, and I don't act on it, I do nothing, then to me in that moment, it felt like actively tearing down the community. It felt, it felt no, me having solutions and having the ability to do something and not doing it felt no different than actively tearing the, the community down. Uh, and so I reached out to Chris and he ignored me at first because it's Facebook. And, you know, you reach out to people on Facebook, uh, random messages from people that, you know, they tend to ignore you. Uh, and then I reached out to him again and, um, he was he responded and then one of his friends from high school a guy named cornell gorman also uh reached out to him and the three of us got together um and within so chris made his facebook post april 30th of 2020 uh we had our our first uh zoom call uh may 2nd of 2020 and then I filed all of our paperwork on May 5th. Uh, and we, it, we were decided on, we were going to, we're going to try to make it happen. Try. Well, so, so I want to talk a little bit about the time period, because I, yeah. I remember when I first started hearing about gift and you and I didn't know each other at this point, like I had, but I started to hear like out in the community um, and it is somebody who has like a, I, what I would consider like greater insight into the entrepreneurial community of Kansas City than the average layperson, just because I, you know, I operate in it every day. But like I started to hear whispers about this organization called Generating Income for Tomorrow and, you know, Gift. And what was really 
at that time, we were right at the dawn of the pandemic. Like we were still trying to figure out what that looked like. Um, right around that time, George Floyd had just been murdered. And, and so we were in, we were at a time of deep social unrest, I would say. There was a lot of uncertainty. There were a lot of conversations happening, particularly about race and disparities between black and white and and you know, even even going so far as to as to violence against you know the black communities, and and so I th- I feel as though gift became this phenom to me, like, and I I was so I was both envious and proud and happy, like, because I, I would see the support that you got. But I want to talk about the back end of that because on the surface it looked like gift just kind of exploded. Right. But I know that there was a lot more tactical stuff that went into (laughs) building this brand and talking to the community and making people understand, especially people who maybe historically had not thought about issues of race and wealth disparities and how small business can be an equalizer. Entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. can be a great equalizer for particularly for disenfranchised and and, uh, historically excluded communities. Right. So yeah. talk to us about that, because like, because I remember being so impressed and blown away by Gift's model and how quickly you were able to ramp up and start getting money to the founders and small business owners who need it. But talk to us about the back end. Back end. What was happening? You had filed your paperwork. You were getting yeah. ready to start. You said that you were a salesperson. Like, what were you selling? Talk about some of the. Yeah. Dis- so, yeah. The- there were <laughs> there was a bunch of stuff happening, right? And so, so one, Chris never moved back to Kansas City, uh, and, and so quickly after that, uh, you know, I'm and I came from nonprofit, um, and so I I was the person. So I I wrote our program uh, as well as doing our fundraising, and then Cornell, uh, and so this is all in the in the, in the time frame of May of 2020, right? Um, uh, so I, I began to build the program. Um, I began to build a program. We, you know, we were public charity, so we needed a board. Uh, and so I began, so we, we began to build a board, um, and Cornell, Cornell created our logo from scratch. Uh, he created our website. Uh, he created our social medias and then, and, and you know, we, we created the messaging, uh, and started to to get that out there. Um, you know, we didn't want to in the in the program creation. We did a couple of things. One, we uh, I did a survey. I did a phone call survey to just black owned businesses and said, "Hey, we're trying to do this." You know, so the idea was, you know, there's fifteen thousand of us right here in this Facebook group. We you know, fifteen thousand people, ten dollars a month. You know, it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. We can give that out to a different business every 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 month. Uh, and so, you know, I go and I set up the the structure, and you know, we get the we we get the donation system set up. We go back to the Facebook group, and we're like, "We're here, let's do this." And we got sixty dollars uh, from 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 the Facebook group. Uh, and so, it was really clear that we needed to like this needed to be bigger bigger than that. Um, and so, so we had to build a model. We actually had to figure out how, what. You know, we're not giving out one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. We ain't got any money. So what are we gonna What are we going to do? Uh, and so I did a survey. Black businesses said, "Hey, we're trying to give grant money to black businesses, help them grow, create jobs, all of this. 
what what uh you know how much money would you need what are you going to spend the money on how many jobs do you think you'll create other than money what would you need um and and so we got our our range of ten thousand to fifty thousand dollars from that uh survey uh and then so that's what our grant amount is that, that we that we give out between ten and fifty thousand dollars to to a business uh we got the the services of business coaching accounting marketing and legal from that survey. And so we just built that survey. We also looked at the demographic data. So I did a, I did a data analysis of the you know six highest populated, low income zip codes, highest populated, high income zip codes, and just compare them to see what the racial and poverty demographic uh, makeup was. Uh, and we found the east side zip codes were 75% black, 36% poverty. The west side zip codes were 91% white and 5% poverty. And so we took all of this data from the survey and, and the other stuff and said, hey, uh, you know, this is the program that we need to, to do. So the these are the amounts, these are the other services that need to go into it. And this is the target area, this high concentration of black poverty. Um, during that time, so a, I think a week after we started, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, the video of Ahmaud Arbery came out of him being killed. And then a week or two later, uh, Breonna Taylor's story came out. And then uh, by the the a week or so after that, George Floyd was murdered. Uh, and, and so the entire you know, world started talking about racial equity and all of the, the things that we were we were building this program out uh, to to be. And then you know. Uh, our our model being you know person to person fundraising and so w- once we had all of the the systems and structures in place we, uh which was may so it took us that month to get everything in, in everything programmatically in place um you know i i started reaching out to my old college professors and saying hey here's here's what we're doing here's why we're doing it you know one of 21 hyper segregated cities we know that black business will will uh create new jobs and be an economic engine um and you know one by one my old college professors started donating they were literally are are, uh besides the the six people that made their first ten dollar donation in that facebook group or my old college professors you were the the ones that that uh that put in the money to, to, to get us going. And then, uh, you remember blackout Tuesday? Yes, I do remember blackout Tuesday. Yeah. So blackout Tuesday happened. Uh, and so, so I, I am, we had this program and now we had to raise money and I'm the, I'm the fundraiser. Uh, and so I'm thinking of all of these different strategies, to to uh, get us out there and, and and raise the money i also you know uh we needed the trust of the community and just because we're black does not mean that we automatically get the trust of the black community uh, and it is very common for nonprofits or city organizations uh to to say we are going to do x for the black community and then it never happened and so I had told my board, I don't want to spend a full year fundraising uh, before we start doing something, because yeah. by that time, like nobody will have thought about us and the, the it'll be just like every just just like everybody else. Um, and so so I knew, I knew we wanted to uh, give out give out a grant 
before the end of the summer. Uh, and we had, based off of the survey that I did to, to with our businesses, I, I submitted a budget of like, hey, I think I submitted a budget based off of what I think would be impactful, not necessarily what I thought was realistic. Uh, and that we need to give out $180,000 worth of grants to black businesses in our first year. Uh, I know we don't have any money. I know we don't have any track record of raising money, but it's, you know, this is a minimally uh, impactful thing that we, that we need to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so so that sounds incredible. And friends, one of the things that I'm hearing Brandon say here is that as you're trying to build amazing things, you want to have good people around you and you want to have good teams and systems in place. And I, I just want to ask you, uh, if you if you don't already know what fellow founders say about Gusto, they say that they now think of payroll as a 30 second job. And I mean, I don't know if you have to do payroll for your business, but I can tell you that it is not it's not an easy thing to do. The Gusto website is friendly and a joy to use, and founders say that Gusto has the best support team. Whenever something comes up, you can reach out, and literally less than 24 hours later, it's handled. Smart technology and friendly humans, that is really cool. So right now, our listeners get three months free when they go to gusto.com backslash startup hustle. They're, they offered us a special deal for our listeners, and we're really excited about it. You're going to get three months of payroll, benefits administration, and more totally free. That's gusto.com backslash startup hustle, or just click the link in the show notes. Friends, we are here today with Brandon Calloway, CEO of Generating Income for Tomorrow, or GIFT. And he's he's talking to us about the journey to supporting Black entrepreneurship. And, and Brandon, I do want to I, I want to get pretty tactical with you here. So mm -hmm. so just to kind of review, the GIFT model is that if if a community, if everybody within a community donated a small amount of money uh, over the course on a monthly basis, that you could then turn those into grants, right? Grants for black owned businesses on the east side of Kansas City. Is that that's kind of the general gist, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, well, so. So talk to us about the impact that gift has had for your your constituents the the black owned businesses and the founders that you serve uh yeah so you know our our programs so we have, we have three overall programs and, and one of the the main program which we've you know, been talking about is our, our grant program right and so that works by uh we, we give out a grant between 10 to 20, uh, 10 to $50,000 to a, a black owned business operating on the east side of, of Kansas City. Uh, then we give them all of this technical support. So business coaching, accounting, marketing and legal. And so in our three years of operation, we've given out 1.2 million to 63 different black owned businesses on the east side of Kansas City. And we've we've seen uh, 108 new jobs created. And so. Um, one of the things that we've noticed year over year is that give or take a few thousand dollars for every $10,000 we're able to give, we've seen a new job be created. Um, and we now looked at the average uh, hourly pay rate of those jobs. And we found out that is this year we found out it's uh, $16 and six cents. And so uh, for, for every $10,000 we give, we're able to create one job that pays around $34,000. Uh, and so, so that's been really exciting uh, to, to, to see 
uh, to see it actually work in practice and the, and the tangible impact that it's been able to have on, on the community. Uh, we also have a business center. So 7,500 square feet. Yeah, the, the idea being, you know, we can only give out so many grants, but there are more businesses that need uh, the, the, the need our help. And if we're, we're going to close the racial wealth gap, then, you know, 100 jobs in three years is great, but nowhere near enough uh, to, to, to really chip away at the racial wealth gap. Uh, so our business center provides all of those same things. So one-on-one business coaching, accounting, legal, uh, marketing. We have uh, Lead Bank is a great partner of ours. So they have an office in, in here. Uh, so people can come into our business center, open up a bank account uh, or talk to a banker or, or apply for a loan. We have a media studio. We have drop-in co-working space. And so uh, the business center in the first year of being open, uh, we, we saw 917 different businesses come through and, and 2,700 appointments being being booked. And so it it uh, it is another really big program of ours that helps to accelerate the growth of, of black businesses. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a, a, on the fourth Saturday of every month, we do a monthly black business market where we allow businesses to come set up their products and we invite the community uh, to come and and you know purchase purchase their products. And so it's a way it's our way of helping more businesses grow by uh, like just allowing them to do business. So I got I got to tell you, so I, I've got a couple of little stories to share with you, but that black business market is so dangerous for me. I, <laughs> I always go there and I always have like a set dollar limit in my head. I'm like, you can spend 20 bucks. That's it. And then I end up spending like five times that it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for that, by the way. Uh, but no, I, I, I actually want to tell you, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but um, I was invited to the the launch of the business center on prospect. Mm-hmm. And so, so for folks not at, not in the Kansas city area or not familiar prospect is deeply embedded within the East side of Kansas city. It is um, within a zip code that has been historically excluded, underserved uh, and it's people, you know, not treated well. And yeah, it, it, it is the part of the city that most people will tell you not to go to. Yeah. People is considered will tell you to avoid it. And well, and I love that you elected to set your business center there. Like we have to bring the community in and show them that, you know, this is, this is, this area is worthy of attention to. But I remember, so I, I'm coming to this launch and I'm very excited for you and for gift and all of that. And I get out of my car and there was a guy walking by and he, there were, I think there were like balloons up on the gate or something yeah, like more, that. Yeah. And so he actually stopped me and he was like, what is this? And I was like, well, and I just started to tell him, I was like, you know, this is generating income for tomorrow. They're launching today. This is a business center for small. And so like, we're talking and he, he was riding his bike and he, he just happened by. And like, as I'm telling him this, he get, he gets this look on his face where it's like, he's more and more excited because apparently this guy sold, um, he sold t-shirts and he was a small business owner and he had not yet heard of the gift business center but i remember i was just like oh man this is exactly the place for you it's right here like if you want to get help with your business stop on by they're they're open now they're gonna have all of these resources for you and like his face was so excited because i can't imagine what it must have been like it must have been like a lifeline 
You know, like I know as a white founder, how difficult it is to build a business, but I'm extraordinarily privileged. I can't imagine what it would be like trying to build a business with very little support, no visibility, community that maybe can't even necessarily afford your products all the time or, you know, like... I don't know what that's like. And and so to see this guy's face, like he must have felt like, and I, to be honest, I, I didn't catch his name. I don't know if he's ever availed himself of the business center, but just his excitement, knowing that he was going to have a resource in his neighborhood that he could go to, to get help, to sell his t-shirts. Like that was so cool. And I bet you get that every day. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, com- Potentially a complete coincidence, but I don't know, probably within our first month, I, I, and we, we had a bunch of business coaching appointments, uh, and we had some overflow. And so like really coincidentally, cause I don't, I don't usually take our uh, business coaching appointments because I don't, I'm, uh, I do a lot of other stuff. Um, and there was an extra person sitting up there. They needed a business coach. I was available, so I pulled him into the office, uh, and he sold T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Him. I really hope it's yeah. him. Cause I, yeah. I was like, oh, in my head, I just remember thinking, like, please let this guy come back and get the help that he needs and deserves. Like, it was so, it was just a really beautiful moment. So, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. I, w- I wouldn't uh, be surprised then, if it was him. I, I certainly hope so. But then, all right. So, so the other thing that I want to talk about is I want to talk to you about Elena Page Thomas. Yeah. Uh, so Elena Page Thomas has been on the show. Um, she is a member of Innovate Her KC, full disclosure, and somebody that I consider a, a dear friend. I adore her. But um, she was actually one of the recipients of, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she was the first $50,000 grant winner. Is that accurate? That is, or was she that is correct. Okay, so she was the first, first ever. And since then, Elena has been able to turn that $50,000 grant. And I want to be very, very clear with you folks. This is undilutive. Uh, it is grant money. It is not expected to be paid back. Gift does not take equity in these businesses. Gift is, it, it, it's, it's a gift. <laughs> it's gift money with no expectation of return beyond do good in your community, hire people, succeed and thrive using this capital that you would have not maybe didn't otherwise have access to. And I will tell you that Elena has since turned that $50,000 into a large and very cool physical location. Uh, you know, she has turned it into just, she has hundreds of people going through training classes and things like that through turn the page or no, sorry, not turn the page, the next page agency, my bad. But like, she has been able to turn that $50,000. It's like snowballed into greater opportunity, not only for her and for the next page agency, but for everybody that she serves, right? There's this exponential ripple effect that gift has created through yeah. one fifty thousand dollar grant. Yeah. <laughs> how often yeah. do you see that? Uh, <laughs> how often do we see that? We uh, we we we've seen it a few times. <laughs> we, 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 we've seen it a few times. But I mean, to to your point, Elena, you know, Elena was our first fifty thousand dollar grant recipient, and in that interview, 
so we, I mean, we make them do in-person interviews. There's a, there's a grant review, there's an application review portion. Uh, and then if you make it past the, the application review by our full board, then you actually come in for an interview. And so Elena came in and um, it was, we were able to really see how supporting the work that she is doing and helping that grow could help actually change how Kansas City is positioned as uh, a player in the entire entertainment industry. Yeah. Uh, and, and since, you know, and she's done that. Yeah, she has. She, <laughs> she, last, she, last time I saw her, she had just, uh, her agency, her creative agency had just been tasked with finding backup dancers for Mariah Carey's tour or yep. something like that, I think. Yep. And like, she's done work with Beyonce and like, I mean, it's just, it's incredible to, to see what she's building. But continue. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the, the 50,000 that we gave her, she was, um, she was, she was doing, she was in business before we gave her a grant. She had, she was teaching people uh, and training people before we gave her a grant. Uh, And I know she was, she was holding her classes out of a, I think out of a church. Uh, uh, And so the 50,000 specifically was so that she could open that building and expand her classes, expand the capacity of the number of people she was able to train. Uh, and it it has it has been uh, just upward continual growth since then. I, I you know, we, we do we do ask so we don't take equity, but we do ask for a few things. We ask for financial reports. We ask that they do what they said they would do with the money and and that they operate in Kansas City, uh, Missouri, for for at least the next year, continue to operate in Kansas City, Missouri for at least the next year. Um, and so I get to look at the the financial reports. And uh, I remember looking at Elena's and thinking, is there something wrong? Like, how how is there that big of a jump in in numbers and revenue? Like, yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I called her. I was like, hey, is this right? She said, yeah, we've just been, we've been doing great. Um, so... Uh, Elena is a great example of the type of business that we're looking for, the type of entrepreneur that we're looking for that is already like, already uh, you make Elena, like, yeah. she is, she is, she is great because she is. Uh, and we were able to, to provide her with a little bit of money, uh, a little bit of additional resources to allow her to continue to, to grow uh, and expand that, that that business, expand that greatness, and so that that is like, Elena and, and people like her are literally the reason that that we exist. Yep. Well, I just I I've seen the power of the work that Gift does, and and so now I want to take it for this last little portion. I want to take it to the the forty thousand foot view, mm-hmm. and my my question is, you know. You are doing work to address a very, very serious um, and egregious and far too long tolerated series of inequities and systemic oppressions. And, and so you're dealing with very, very big, very, very tough stuff. And you're doing so kind of on the micro level because you're, you're business to business, person to person. But at the same time, like I, I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts 
if other cities and other communities were looking to close the racial wealth, wealth gaps that they experience, what are some things that we all need to look at? Like, I, just as a, for instance, like one is supporting black business, like finding out where are the black owned businesses in your community and then intentionally shopping at them and supporting mm -hmm. them. Right. So like, that's an example, but what are some things that our listeners could do if they'd like to activate around these issues or if they'd like, if they'd like to help? Yeah. Uh, so Supporting black businesses is a is a component of the racial wealth gap, right? Yeah. Um, the, in, in my view and opinion of it is that if we're, we're really closing the racial wealth gap, that looks like, you know, uh, job creation and workforce development. Uh, and so, you know, entrepreneurship is a conduit uh, uh, of that as well. Uh, it, it also looks like, you know, accessible home ownership um, or uh, affordable home ownership, uh, specifically in historically red line communities. It looks like access to higher education um, in, in, a, in, in you know, predominantly black and brown communities. Uh, and so, you know, those are big challenges uh, and where you spend your money, obviously, so you you support black businesses. Uh, you know where, where you spend your money matters. Um, you you have you have a few different points of power. You got economic power. You have uh, voting power, and you, you have philanthropic power, right? So where, where you where you spend your money uh, with businesses, you exercise your your, your economic power. Uh, who you vote for. You know, specifically in local levels uh they have the ability to you know create policies that make overall uh changes and so exercising your your uh, you know your voting power uh matters uh and then there's also philanthropic power so you know we we talk about a 15,000 people donate $10 a month uh and you, a lot of people might look at that and say, a lot of people do look at that and say, you know, well, my $10 isn't really doing anything, but your $10, you know, uh, alone might not do much. But if you put your $10, $10 with, you know, these 200, 300, 400 other people, uh, now it does a whole lot more. Uh, yeah. and, and so, you know, people look at philanthropy and it, you, you hear philanthropic power and you might think, you know, I got to be Bill Gates to exercise philanthropic power, but you don't. Uh, you have philanthropic power, whether you choose to exercise it or not, you still have it. Um, so, yeah, th those are those three things. And I think one of the things that the the pandemic, uh, so the summer of 2020, there's the pandemic and you know racial reckoning, right? Um, everybody was stuck at home and had to see this man die. Uh, and so I think th those two things together made the the difference, right? Yeah. If, if George Floyd died while everybody was out at work and it was just another uh, another day, uh, it wouldn't have ha it wouldn't have had the the impact that that it had. But everybody was stuck at home and they could not avoid seeing this man die in the, in, in in the way that that he did. Uh, and because of that, it became something that most people had a personal um personal opinion on they cared about at a personal level uh yeah. 
and because they cared about it at a personal level the our media talks about or we have a perpetual cycle our media talks about what we care about and we care about what the media talks about and so if uh, enough of us began to care about it and the media talked about it and it just it, it became this thing we are three years, almost four years past that now. And on a personal level, we care much less uh, about the, the challenge that is still this whole racial uh, racial disparity. Uh, and, and so on a media level, they care much less. Um, and so all of that to say, you know, making it, making it a point of priority, you know, when most local news stations, I mean, I got a text from KCUR earlier today asking, what type of stories do you want to hear about? And the more people that respond to say, we want to hear stories about the continuing efforts of racial equity, uh, the more likely they are to actually continue to, to, to talk about that. And when people talk about it, the inst- the institutions in power have to address it as well. And so now nobody's talking about it. Uh, the institutions of power are, are able to let it go and ignore it. So, uh, so that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it's just one of those things. And I, and, it, and I'll, I'm going to speak for Brandon here for a moment. And I'm just going to say like, as, as people who center equity in their lives, like when I walk into rooms, I scan rooms, like who is in this room and what does that mean about this room? Is the room diverse? Are people who are higher up in the hierarchical structure talking to people more at the grassroots level? Like, are there people who are, uh, you know, LGBTQ? Are there people who are Black? Are there people who are Muslim? Like, all of these marginalized identities. Like, I scan rooms. Do you scan rooms when you walk in? Yeah. I absolutely do. I absolutely like, it's do. one of those things that you can't, it's kind of like being an event planner, like every event you walk into, you're just like, oh, wait, I, I, I'm identifying things that, you know, are greater, I can do better. Like it's, it becomes how you view the world. And I think that at its most foundational level, we could all use a little bit more of that equitable lens in our lives, like scan rooms <laughs> when you walk in, be critical and discerning in the news that you consume and make sure that you are you are placing that that equitable lens at the forefront because to do anything else is privilege. The ability to walk away and not care is privilege. Check your privilege. Right. So so Brandon, I, I hate to do this and we're 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 running long, but I, I do have a human question for you. Shoot. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. If you could have one person you have lost touch with call you up tonight and invite you to dinner, who would you want it to be? One person that I have lost touch with call me up and invite me to dinner. Who would I want it to be? Uh, hmm. So there are a few people that come to mind, and the one person that sticks out um it's very funny at the very beginning of this i talked about i was a high school football coach and strength and conditioning coach and my goal was to help kids get to college uh and and so we we had a player uh who was a phenomenal running back like he was he was amazing um and you know when you know, on Saturdays, when I would I'd tell the entire football team, like, hey, you know, 
because uh, I'm a trainer. I like working out myself. So like, I'm going to the gym. Let me know if you want me to come and pick you up and I will fill the car, my car with as many people as I can fit and we'll all go to the gym. And uh, there was one, one like he, he was always in my front passenger seat because <laughs> he he always raised his hand and when we we got to the gym I'm like all right what you want to do today he said coach i want to do whatever's gonna make me better whatever's gonna make me better that's what i want to do that's today. a great attitude yeah <laughs> yeah and, and he was he was literally our our best player and he was he was uh always saying i, I can, I can hear why <laughs> yeah uh he got a full ride scholarship and he got an engineering degree uh and i i would I would love to sit down with him now, now what is this, it's 12, 13 years later, uh, and hear, hear about his journey. Uh, yeah. That's really cool. Well, hopefully, maybe you could even send this to him and just be like, hey, hey, here's your little nudge. Let's yeah. chat. Uh, all right, friends. Well, I... I I am so, so grateful to you, Brandon, for taking time to chat with us today. Like it, It's been a long time coming, and it is just as awesome as I figured it would be. So thank you so much for being with us here today, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Well, and thanks for gift. A gift. The gift to, to Kansas City, for sure. Speaking of gifts, uh, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Gusto. If you're looking for an all-in-one HR platform, you're overdue to check them out. You get every HR function you need in just a few clicks of a button. It's super easy. You'll even get three months free. There's that gift we were talking about when you go to gusto.com backslash startup hustle. That's gusto.com backslash startup hustle or find the link in our show notes. Go switch to Gusto so your small company can offer big time benefits without an HR our department. Thank you to Gusto. And thank you listeners for coming back to listen to us week after week. We are extraordinarily grateful. We want to hear from you. Find us on, we are on Facebook, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn, all of those social networks. You can also go to startuphustle.xyz and suggest guests, suggest topics that you want to hear about. We want to hear from you. We do this for you. We love serving founders and entrepreneurs and those creative amazing resourceful individuals who are thinking about starting a company we, we want to serve you so help us do so by telling us what you want to hear what what you need we would love that keep on coming back and we will catch you next time startup hustles brought to you by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.